Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, and I'd like for you to go to chapter 88. The 88th Psalm is considered by some theologians as the darkest Psalm of all the Psalms. As you read this, you'll find that this individual is describing a lifetime of poverty and sickness, a lifetime of struggle. And here, as you study this chapter, you find that it's actually broken down into three sections. The first section is what I call a statement of fact. In verse number three, it reads, they consider me a hopeless case. They see me as a dead man, a hopeless case, a dead man walking. Much like Job and his friends, people were looking at this individual thinking, what is wrong with him? The second section is a question of purpose. And you find it in verse number 10, where he said, how can I rise up to praise you if I'm dead and gone? He was, trying to, he was trying to understand the purpose in all of his suffering and all that was taking place in his life. And he was asking a question of God, what good does it do you if I'm dead and gone? Why are you allowing all this suffering to take place? And then the third section is a moment of frustration. We find that in verse 15 when he finally cries out, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. What do you do when the facts, where you are, and the question of purpose become more than you can take? What do you do when your plate is running over? Now, it's been four, it's been four weeks. It's been a month now. July the 5th, was the last time that I spoke to you on the COVID-19. I got away from it and I just tried to preach the gospel to you to give you a break. But with us in this transition right now of going from on-campus church to online church, I felt the need to come back to you today again and address this issue because what I'm sensing with many people is what this individual is going through here in this dark Psalm of Psalms 88. A statement of fact, I'm in a tough situation, a question of purpose. God, why are you allowing this to happen? And then a moment of frustration, I can't take it anymore. With a hurricane on the East Coast and fires on the West Coast and the COVID-19 in the middle and rioting in our streets, there are people that are crying out, I can't take it anymore. But I believe that the church has the answer. And I believe that there's hope. And I do believe, I still believe that our best days are still ahead. And I want to come to you this morning with pastoral instruction of what I need you to do. What I need you to do. If you feel like this individual in Psalms chapter 88, if that's how you feel, then I need you to listen to me for the next few minutes. Let's title this, I Can't Take It Anymore. 
In Psalms chapter 88, there are two salah, or what we call a pause in his presence. Now, this word means to pause or to weigh or to balance. To weigh or to balance. It is a pause, a pause in God's presence. So you find the writer is talking, talking, verse after verse, and then suddenly he pauses in God's presence to reflect over what he just said. And he does that twice in this chapter. A pause in his presence. So the first thing that I want you to see here is that we as people, as a community, as a nation, need to accept that storms, pandemics, will change the landscape of our living. Here on the Gulf Coast, we understand how that hurricanes and floods can change the landscape of our community. Once the storm passes through, it changes everything. There is devastation, there is destruction. There are trees that have stood for a hundred years that are knocked down. It changes the landscape of our community. In Newsday, they reported the new normal with COVID-19. They said, when it's over, we can't simply go back to life as it was. And I have to agree with that. As hurricanes will change us, as 9-11 changed us, as other crises in our nation have changed us, so will this pandemic, the COVID-19. We must understand that after a crisis of this magnitude, that there's no going back. Several weeks ago, I made the statement to you more than once that the day of the convenient Christian is over. The day of serving God when and where and how it's convenient is done. I believe that we are in the days of sorrow as described in Matthew 24. That we are in those days when there's there's wars and rumors of wars, pestilence and plagues. But it's a great time for the church. A great opportunity to preach the gospel. And I'm still contending for a revival in the church that brings a spiritual awakening in our nation that allows us to cast the net for a great harvest of souls. But the fact is, we can't go back. So a new world demands a new you. You and I, as Christians and as a church, we have to change the way we do church. Things have got to change. We have to change. In order to keep up with what God is doing in this hour, we have to change. So the first thing I want you to understand as we pause on this day, as in Psalms chapter 88, he spoke, 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 and then he paused in the presence of God to reflect. As we pause today, as we pause from being on campus to being online in this moment, we're pausing to catch our breath and we consider where we are as a nation, where we are as a community, as we pause in his presence. See law, as we pause. I just want to remind you that a new world demands a new you. Number two, you need to know that the storm you, the storm you are fighting may be the very thing that brings God to you. We said this last Sunday. 
that the very storm that you're fighting, the very storm that you think is going to destroy you is the very thing that will bring God to you. And I read to you last Sunday, Matthew 14, 25, about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. And so I just wanted to go a little deeper into that statement than I did last Sunday. Understand that they fed the 5,000. Jesus sent the disciples into the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. He goes up into the top of the mountain to pray. And the disciples are encountering the storm. They're rowing against it. The Bible says that the storm was against them. And right now, we feel that way. That this storm we're in is against us. You feel like you take two steps forward and then we have to step back one. The storm is against us. We feel like this thing is fighting us on every hand. Some to the right and some to the left. And it's a constant struggle as every day we're trying to navigate through these uncharted waters. And we're trying to figure this out and make sense of a senseless situation. This last week has been a challenging week for me. As I've had to deal with the COVID-19 numbers. As I've had to deal with the fact that I have staff members that have been uh, tested. And and it's confirmed they have the COVID-19. I've had to deal with the burial of a baby yesterday and then the announcement of my dear friend that's going through a challenging time. It's been a tough week. It's a hard week. But we have to realize that the very storm that we think is going to destroy us is the very storm that will bring God to us. And this is the story that we find ourselves in here in Matthew chapter 14. These disciples were fighting the storm and the storm was fighting them. But suddenly Jesus came to them walking on the waves of their storm. There are two things that I wanted to share with you this morning. You have to know that finding your faith is not necessarily in feeding the 5,000. That was a great miracle. And the disciples were impressed with that situation. But that's not where you really find your faith. Your faith is with Jesus walking on the water. That's where you really, that's where you really begin to find your faith. When you're in the center of the storm and suddenly God comes to you. See, you have to know that with each new revelation of God comes an increase in our anointing. It was a great thing to see Jesus feeding the 5,000. But the real lesson of faith was right in the center of the storm when Jesus came walking to them on the water and they cried out in fear thinking he was a water spirit, but yet it turns out to be Jesus. And they have a new revelation of him where they even, they even said, who is this man that even the waves and the wind obeys his command? They were impressed with this seawalker. They were impressed with this man that could calm the storm. This was the real lesson of faith for these guys. So I understand that you receive a revelation of who God is during times of prosperity where he's breaking the bread and it's multiplying. I understand that you get a revelation of who God is during the good times and when there's great things happening, but you need to know that the real lesson of faith is when you're in the midst of the storm, 
when you're right in the middle of the storm and everything seems to be going wrong, that's when you really learn the lesson of faith and you get a new revelation of who God is. And that's when your anointing starts to increase. Because you have to remember, if you're going to lead people out of the storm, then you've got to learn to go through the storm. That's when your faith really begins to mature. We're taking a pause in God's presence and we're reflecting. The third thing that I want you to remember this morning is that the problem with problems is our response to them. The problem with problems is how we respond to them. Again, Matthew 14, uh, verse 30, it said, but when he realized, speaking of Peter, how high the waves were because he was walking on the water. You remember he said to Jesus, if this is you, let me come out there where you are. I'm getting a revelation of you that I never had before. And my faith is soaring and I believe I can do what you're doing. And so he said, let me come out there. And, and the Bible says that when he realized how high the waves were, how challenging this situation was, he became frightened and he started to sink. And then he cried out, Lord, save me. I want you to notice there are two things in Matthew 14, 30. Number one, he realized. He began to look at his problems. He got his eyes off of Jesus. He began to look at his problems. And that's when he began to sink. You see, it's impossible to focus on the power of your problem and the power of God at the same time. It's impossible to focus on the power of your problem and the power of God at the same time. You've got to learn to get your eyes off of the problem and onto the solution. It's easy to turn the news on every day because I understand we want to stay on top of things. And, but, it, but it's so easy to get pulled into the problem to where it becomes overwhelming and suffocating. And suddenly you're so focused on the problem that you stop focusing on the solution. It's easy. And you have to be careful that you're not so aware of your circumstances that you lose your awareness of God's presence. You have to be careful. The second thing I want you to notice here is that during a storm, we cannot stand on our problem and God's answer at the same time. You can't do it. You see, Peter was standing on God's answer. He's walking on the water. He's walking on the water. But suddenly he got his eyes on his problem and he began to stand on that and he began to sink. You can't stand on your problem and God's word at the same time. You can't stand on your problem and God's answer at the same time. You've got to be careful. The problems are there. They're real. The waves are high. There's lightning and thunder and the winds blowing. The clouds are dark and it looks tough. It looks tough right now. But you've got to be careful that you stay rooted in God's word and you stand on God's promises. You've got to stand on God's promises. Standing on his promises will keep you above your problems. And we're reminded again of the statement, everything that is over my head is under his feet. So don't stand on your problem, stand on his answer. Stand on God's word. And I want to leave you with this one statement before we shift, and that is turn your problem into praise. Whenever Peter was beginning to sink, he turned his eyes on Jesus and he began to cry out and said, Lord, save me. And when he did, Jesus picked him up. Turn your problem into praise. 
throughout throughout this 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 pandemic and the, the rioting in our streets and the fires on the west and the hurricane on the east and the stock market up and down and the presidential election whatever you do be careful and turn your problem into praise and don't become overwhelmed by your circumstances we're talking about three things we're talking about in the midst of this chapter of Psalms 88 when everything looks so bad we're talking about when he cried out saying I can't take it anymore he paused twice in the presence of God Selah to reflect and I'm challenging you today to pause in the midst of all this craziness I'm challenging you to pause and to reflect on God's goodness, God's faithfulness. And I'm challenging, I'm challenging you to turn your problem into praise. One more point. The writer here, this character of Psalms chapter 88, reached a point, a crescendo, where he said, I can't take it anymore. I just can't do it. It is said that mental health is an emerging crisis of the COVID-19 pandemic. They're worried about the mental state of America. One doctor, one PhD made this statement. Our society is definitely in a collective state of trauma. Our nation has been traumatized. And I have to agree with that. With the pandemic, the economy, uh, the fighting uh, within the presidential election, the fires out west, the hurricane on the east, it's just that the nation has been traumatized. I agree with that. And I do, as a pastor, worry about the mental and emotional state of my people. 56% of Americans report worry and stress of the COVID has led to a negative mental health. 56%. 56% of Americans report trouble with sleeping, alcohol abuse, temper, outburst of temper, and health problems. They're not eating good. They're not sleeping well. They're having stomach problems. They're stressed. 56%. 64% of healthcare workers, those on the front line, healthcare workers report a worsened mental health for themselves and their families. 64% of our healthcare workers are reporting that they're struggling with depression, anxiety, stress, and fear. The Well Being Trust estimates the pandemic could lead to 75,000 additional deaths of despair from drug, alcohol abuse, and suicide. 75,000 deaths of despair. When this first started back in the spring, I, I, I made the statement that I was concerned that we may see an uptick in suicides and now we're seeing the results of that or the fruit of that. 75%, or excuse me, 75,000 additional deaths above and beyond the normal death rate, 75,000 additional deaths of despair. 
people losing hope and giving up. As the character in our story here in Psalms 88 said, I can't take it anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. The word perplexed there in the Greek means to see no way out. And there are people right now that are giving in to this despair. We're seeing deaths of despair where people are saying, I see no way out of this. There's a spirit of darkness that's creeping across this nation. And it's pushing people into despair, into uh, oppression and depression and hopelessness. And people are turning to uh, chemicals. Uh, they're turning to, to pornography. They're turning to relationships. They're turning to addictions. And they're turning to suicide as a coping mechanism. People are medicating themselves. People are, are, are eating and, and people are turning to uh, adultery and fornication and, and pornography. They're turning to these things in, in, or, in order to cope with this crisis because they see no way out. The word despair here means to be at a loss with no hope. A sense of hopelessness. Deaths of despair. Addictions. Domestic violence. Uh, long-term mental health problems, suicide. We're seeing all of this right now. Verse 15, Psalms chapter 88 said, I've had to live in poverty and trouble all my life. Now I'm humiliated, I'm broken, I'm helpless before your terror, and I can't take it anymore. He said, I can't take it. That's where people are. That's where they're at right now. Now, I don't say that to depress you or discourage you. I say that to acknowledge, to recognize the issue at hand. Because we, the church, need to see that this is an opportunity for us to bring the hope of the gospel to a hurting world. We need to recognize where our nation is right now. Ignoring this is not going to make it go away. Pretending it's not there is not going to help anything. Acting like there's not this death of despair that's taking place is not going to help anybody. But the church rising up and recognizing what the enemy is trying to do to this nation with despair, domestic violence, uh, mental health, uh, addictions, and suicide. And, uh, when, when we, the church, rise up and we recognize what the enemy is trying to do, we can step up with the answer. This is a great day for the church to preach the gospel, the good news of the gospel, to bring hope to a hurting world. This is the opportunity. And this is what we have to understand, that people today are saying, I can't take anymore. I can't do it. And we have to step up center stage and lift up our voice and bring hope to a hopeless nation. I began by saying to you, I wanted to bring you pastoral instruction. That I wanted to tell you there's some things that I need you to do for me. I understand that not only the nation is fighting this spirit of despair, the nation is not only trying to push back on the oppression and depression and hopelessness, that this nation is not only trying to get through this 
this being perplexed uh, of, I see no way out. What, what are we going to do? Not only the nation, the world is fighting this despair, but so is God's people. Now, we don't like to admit that, but we need to be honest. We're always talking in a church about, let's be real with each other. The problem is, is we can't handle the reality. The reality that Christians get sick and die. That Christians who should be under the anointing of joy at times fight depression. That Christians that are, as the, the, the minor prophet said, are prisoners of hope are the ones that sometimes fight hopelessness. You see, we live with contradictions and we struggle with it. That even God's people at times are perplexed, see no way out, and fight despair or hopelessness. And I've come here this morning as your pastor to tell you that there is a spirit of despair that's trying to grip this nation. And I'm here to tell you, don't you give in to it. I need you to do some things. You may say, like the character here in Psalms 88, I can't take it anymore. And I agree. So there are three things that I need you to stop taking. Three things I need you to stop taking. You say, Pastor, I can't take it anymore. Then stop taking it. You say, Pastor, I can't take this anymore. Then stop taking it. Number one, stop taking the bait of the enemy. There are two viruses in our community. One being the COVID-19 and the second is the entrenching, divisive, sometimes unyielding attitude that is tearing at the very fabric of our community. Families, friends fighting over masks and social distancing, numbers, fighting each other. And we need to stop it. We need to stop the divisive, unyielding, entrenching attitude that is ripping this nation apart. We need to spend less time debating the issue and more time defeating the issue. I need the church to come together. I'm talking about the church across America. I'm talking about Christians. Christians need to rise up and realize that we are in a fight and stop debating the issue and start defeating the issue. We need to rise up and come against not only the pandemic, not only, not only the, uh, uh, the hurricane and the fires and the economy, but we need to rise up and fight against that divisive spirit, that spirit of despair, that spirit of darkness that's trying to rip this nation apart and keep the church from finding its voice and preaching and declaring its message of hope. I don't want to debate with you over mask. But I do want to join with you in defeating, defeating this crisis that we're in and bringing a revival to America. We have to. Let us make sure that we live through the pandemic and we're able to live with each other after it's over. Let us make sure that we don't get so divided during the pandemic that we can't live with each other after. Number two, what you need to stop taking. You need to stop taking the what if of the enemy. The what if. 
Let me talk to you about fear and worry statistics. The percent of things feared that will never take place, 60%. Percent of things feared that are considered to be insignificant issues, 90%. Percent of things feared in relation to health that will not happen, 88%. Now, I understand that during a pandemic, these numbers may fluctuate some. But I just want to point out to you that the pandemic is an issue. And we have to move forward in a safe and responsible manner. And we have to use wisdom and be careful. But I just want to remind you that the majority of things that you fear and you worry about will never take place. The majority of things that you're concerned about, that you lay in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, just playing that tape over and over in your mind. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And the enemy will come in with despair and fear and worry. And he'll have you take and push the button and play the tape. And what if you get sick? And what if you lose your job? And what if you lose your business? And what if? And what if? And what if? And he'll have you play that tape over and over and over and over again. And I'm here this morning to tell you, stop taking the what ifs of the enemy. You gotta stop it because he's going to cripple you where you can't function. Be safe, absolutely. Use wisdom, please do. Practice safe distancing at all times. But whatever you do, don't give in to the what ifs of the enemy. Because he'll cripple you where you can't function. Matthew chapter 6. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come. Whatever hard things come. Whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I want you to notice that. He said, God will help you deal with whatever, whenever it comes. He didn't say, if something comes. And this is where we need to be real again. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Here, Jesus said, don't worry about the troubles of tomorrow. That'll take care of itself when you get there. In other words, there's trouble today, there's trouble tomorrow. Now, I wish I could just come in here with this hyper faith and just tell you, oh, everything's going to be okay. I can promise you, if you're a member of this church, you're never going to get the COVID-19. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that you're not going to go through economic uh, uh, trouble. I can't promise you that there's not going to be a hurricane this year. I can't promise you there's not going to be hardship. I can't promise you that. In fact, Jesus said, whatever comes, when it comes, God's going to help you deal with it. He said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. It's going to happen. Tomorrow will bring trouble. But he said, I'm telling you, God will help you deal with it. Fear will make you miserable now and ineffective when whatever comes, when the time comes. Fear will make you miserable now and ineffective when it comes. So you've got to fight that spirit of fear. You've got to fight it. You have to know that real faith, now listen to me, 
going back to Jesus walking on the water, a new revelation of who he is, real faith will allow you at times to halt the storm. Peace be still. It will, it will halt it for it ever gets started. Excuse me. Real faith. Okay, listen to me. Track with me. Real faith will allow you at times to halt the storm before it ever gets started. Before it ever happens. There are times when God will warn you through dreams and visions and, 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 and Holy Spirit speaking to you. And, and there are times, there are times in my life, in my ministry, when I've seen God warn me of things. Warn me to where your faith can halt it before it ever gets started. There are other times when your faith will take you into the storm and it will cause you when you're halfway through the storm to say, peace be still and to calm the storm. Now, those two moments, we all love it. When faith rises up in me, God awakens me in the night season and I get up to pray over my family and he warns me of a, a coming storm and I'm able to declare the word of the Lord and halt the storm before it ever hits my home. We love it when we get into the storm and we're fighting the storm and the storm is fighting us and, and we're rowing against it and the night is long and the night is dark and suddenly you step up and bow the boat and you say, peace be still, and he calms the storm. We all love that. But there are times when your faith will take you through the storm and you will survive it. I can tell you, that there have been storms in my life that I halted, storms in my life that I calmed, and storms in my life that I had to survive. Survive it. I had to go through it. I had to. Sometimes it is the experience of the valley that you pass through that takes you to the mountain peak experience. There have been valleys and storms and fights that I've been through that I could not halt, that I could not calm, that I had to survive, survive. And Jesus said, Jesus said, whatever comes, whenever it comes, I will help you deal with it. So right where you are in your home, I want you to repeat this with me and I want you to repeat it often in the coming days. With God's help, I will deal with whatever Whenever, whatever, whenever, I made the comment to Suzanne just, just yesterday, this week, getting the update of numbers here in the church and receiving a phone call Wednesday night that another staff member and the custodial staff had had received the confirmation of COVID-19 and, and then learning on Thursday that that staff member was hospitalized and realizing that it's just this COVID-19 is now beginning to encroach upon my church. And, and then hearing about, you know, watching the news with the hurricane, the fires and the rioting, and then to get the news about my dear friend, Perry Stone. And I made the comment to her that the hits just keep on coming. Just keep on coming. But Jesus said, whatever comes, whenever it comes, 
I'm going to help you. And I'll go through it with you. So you've got to hold on to this statement. With God's help, I will deal with whatever, whenever. Whatever, whenever. So whatever trouble comes today, he'll help me deal with it. Whatever trouble comes tomorrow, he'll help me deal with it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens me. You've got to hold on to this, that I will deal with it. So you've got to stop taking it. Stop taking the bait of Satan to cause division in the church world. Stop taking the what if of the enemy and get locked up and crippled by fear. You've got to stop taking it. And then the third thing that you've got to stop taking is stop taking the conditions of the enemy. You've got to stop taking it. We're talking a lot about post-pandemic, the new normal, the need the need for corporate worship experience is being called into question. They're saying that there are some people that may never come back to the corporate worship experience. The post-pandemic new normal. I accept the fact that from here on out, I will have two churches, the on-campus church and the online church, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But all pastors are concerned that there are people that are going to get out of the habit of going to church, that people are going to get comfortable without the corporate worship experience. They're concerned about that. And so pastors are trying so hard to navigate, negotiate this time. And do, when do I open up? When, when do I close it down? And, and how do I do this? And I want to keep my people connected. And I, I, I value corporate worship, but yet I value the health of my people. And they're trying so hard to do the best they can with the information that's in front of them. They're fighting day and night for their congregations and for their churches. And, and I'll be honest with you, there are churches right now that are on the verge of closing down and pastors are worried and they're staying up at night and they're seeking God and they're trying to figure this out and we're dealing with this post-pandemic new normal and the enemy is whispering you don't need church and you don't need the corporate worship experience people are accusing God and saying where is God in all of this and they're redefining their values and their belief system and People are being filled with hopelessness and fear and et cetera, and on and on it goes. The, the post-pandemic new normal, and we're all wondering, what's this going to look like? But we, as God's people, have to be careful that we stop taking the conditions of the enemy. Hebrews chapter 10, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. We have to be careful with habits. We close for today, but it's only temporary. We will open tomorrow. We have to be careful that we don't form bad habits, bad habits. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. You have to know this. You can't allow the enemy to set the conditions of post-pandemic, the new normal. Refuse to allow the fear of a pandemic to develop into a pandemic of fear. You can't do it. You cannot allow this pandemic to develop into a pandemic of fear. You can't do it. You got to fight that. The enemy doesn't get to, to dictate the conditions of the post-pandemic church. He doesn't get to do that. I refuse to let him. The enemy doesn't get to decide what post-pandemic new normal will look like for my church. 
After this is over and we come back together as a congregation, we will still value corporate worship. We will not accuse our God. We will not redefine our values and our beliefs. We will not give in to hopelessness and fear. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will not take the bait of Satan. I will not take the what ifs of Satan. And I will not allow the enemy to define what my church will look like when this is all said and done. He won't do it. So in closing, in this story of Psalms chapter chapter 88, we find an individual that's in a very difficult time who came to a place who said, I can't take it anymore. And two times he paused, Selah. He paused in the presence to reflect. And that's what we're doing today. We're pausing in the presence of God for just a brief moment to reflect. To do as the word says, Selah, to pause and to weigh things out and to find balance. Balance. I've always said to you that balance is the most difficult place to maintain because it's so easy to give in to the gravitational pull of the extremes, to give in to it. Pandemic is nothing more than a conspiracy of the government or the pandemic is going to overwhelm us. There's two extremes, fact and fiction, two extremes. In the midst of all this, there is fact and there is fiction. There is some reality and there is some perception. There is some truth and there is some sensationalism in all of it. And the church has to stay balanced, right in the middle. Weigh it out. Balance it out. We have to. Balance is the ability to bring stability during change and or crisis. And that's what our nation needs. It needs the church. It needs men and women of God to stay balanced. Not given to fear, but use wisdom. Not given to hopelessness and despair. And despair but to bring stability and hope, balance. We pause for a moment to weigh this out and to find balance. So my pastoral instruction to you, what I need you to do is to stop taking it. Stop taking the bait of the enemy. Stop taking the what if of the enemy and stop taking the conditions of the enemy. He doesn't get to decide what this is going to look like when it's all said and done. In our text, verse 15, he cried out in frustration, I can't take it anymore. And neither should you stop Let me pray for you. Father, I bless your people today. I bless them. Where there's fear, I replace it with faith. Where there's despair, I declare hope. Where there's depression, I replace it and I declare joy. Where there's instability, Father, bring stability. 
Let the church world today find balance and take the lead for a nation that desperately needs leadership. I bless your people and it's time to stop taking it. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.